I need you to hear me, understand me, and join me in saying, you already know the slogan by now, welcome to the most overrated, underappreciated, most viewed, underviewed podcast of all time, welcome to the Prince of Fresh Air, I am, you already know the most charismatic man in entertainment, beat that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I'm taking over, it's my time now, no, I'm just kidding, it's enough for two of us, but no, a lot of people's been wondering, when has the smooth-talking, charismatic voice, the most charismatic man has been? You know, why haven't I been electrifying the podcast world? Well, I'm back. I was on vacation enjoying myself, drinking pina coladas, um, you know, enjoying my time in New York City. I'm a New Yorker born and raised. I'm back in New York for now. I'm not in L.A., so I'm doing this from my mom's basement. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um. I, I, you know, I've just been enjoying my free time a little bit. I have a big project coming up soon. I can't wait to share more details about that. So stay tuned. Uh, project, uh, project I filmed last April, um, and I, it's coming out this year, and I can't wait for everybody to see it. But nonetheless, why, why am I sitting down doing this intro? Why, why am I taking my time to tell you to put down a cheeseburger, put down a coarse beer, put down, you know, whatever you're doing, stop and listen to the most charismatic man entertainment. You know, why Why are you driving down the highway, uh, you know, coming off from work, watching the kids, and I'm telling you to just slow down for a second and listen to me. Well, I'm back, and I'm doing something different in this episode. And let me address something. You know, my podcast, we do talk about a lot of controversial issues and controversial topics, which I will never stop doing, but I do think it's very important for me to have fun with this. You know, when I started this podcast, it was about talking about everything. And it wasn't supposed to be a podcast where you listen to, you know, the everyday uh, horror stories. That, that That's not what the podcast is about. It's about having fun and just having conversations about anything. So I'm looking forward to the next few episodes I have planned. It's, it's very lighthearted, sit back, comedic. We're going to have some fun. We're going to drink. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. And most importantly, we're going to electrify this microphone. But without further ado, I, wa- I wanted to address something real quick before we get into this episode as well. So I wanted to give a shout out to UFC legend Daniel Cormier and his podcast partner, Ryan Clark. Uh, Daniel Cormier, if you're not big into UFC, is a UFC legend. I mean, he's a light UFC light heavyweight champion, a former UFC heavyweight champion, uh, Olympic wrestler, uh, uh, one of the greatest ever doing in combat sports. And then you have Ryan Clark, who won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, former Super Bowl winner, former UFC, uh, former football player, and they have a podcast and they do a segment called Tap In or Tap Out. And I think it's important for me to give credit to them. So the basic point of Tap Out, uh, Tap In and Tap Out is basically you talk about a rapid fire kind of, you know, conversation and you, you either tap in, which is you agree or you tap out and you disagree. It's just a, it's, it's a different way to have a conversation. So in this episode, we're not going to be talking about guns. We're not going to be talking about killing. We're not going to talk about anything too controversial. You know, we're going to have fun. We're going to sit back and we're going to cry. We're going to laugh because, you know, when you, when the most charismatic man in entertainment is recording, that's right. I bring the entertainment. So we're going to have a little fun. We're going to talk about a lot of various topic points and we're going to just have a little fun. And uh, I'm glad to be back. I have Dimitri back on the podcast. In the next episode, I actually have a, a new guest, uh, two guests, I should say. And uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. They were amazing guys. It was a conversation that I, I really haven't done. And it's nothing controversial at all. It's about, you know, it's for the nerds, if you want to say, comic books and, and stuff of that nature. So look out for the episodes coming out within the next week or two. But without further ado, tap in or tap out with the most charismatic man entertainment with Dimitri. And I just want to give a shout out to Daniel Cormier and Ryan Clark once again, because I love this this uh, banter that they have. And I love this little segment that they have. So I wanted to do a proper respect and give proper credit where credit is due to them. And without further ado, let the most charismatic man entertainment entertain you. Sit back, relax. Grab a beer, grab a hot dog, grab a cheeseburger, grab a large French fries from McDonald's, but enjoy yourself. And I'll see you guys in three, two, one. Welcome back on the podcast, Dimitri. What's happening? So, you know. Uh, let's get right into it. You know, in this world of craziness, there's a lot of things going on with, you know, 
rappers being killed, all these protests, a lot of political agendas, and you know, yada yada yada, all goes on. And this is the podcast where we do talk about that stuff. But I have also made an admission to make it fun and talk about you know some less serious things. So we was talking a little bit off camera. I want to do something a little different. So I uh, just to give a shout out to UFC Hall of Famer, double champ, Daniel Cormier. He hosts a podcast and he does a segment called Tap In to Tap Out. And I want to do this because I think it would be a fun way to talk about some controversial and other, some fun, but controversial issues as well. So let, let's get, let's get right into it. And I, I want to start off by this one topic that's been happening a lot. Thrown in the towel. You know, you're a boxing guy. You you love boxing. I'm more of an MMA guy. I love UFC. And, you know, this has been a big thing happening. Uh, recently, it happened in the UFC uh, on the last pay-per-view. Derek Brunson uh, versus uh, Adrikas Duplice. And Derek Brunson, uh, they're both middleweight contenders in the UFC. And uh, Derek Brunson was getting, uh, he was getting destroyed. I mean, he was, it was... It was sad to see such a veteran of the of, of the UFC getting uh hurt the way he did. And it got to the point where his corner threw in the towel. And it started uh this has been a long going topic in boxing and combat sports of throwing in the towel. So I want to ask you, Dimitri, um, should throwing in the towel be more normalized and be more accepted? Uh do you tap in or do you tap out? Do I think tap in if I think Throwing in the towel should be normalized and accepted. Yeah. I'm going to say tap in. And do you, like, because I, the reason why I actually, I want to talk about that because so so often I, I, watched, I watched a lot of fights in the last year. And I've seen that increasingly happen a lot where, you know, commentators, um, even other athletes talk about this, where it's like, you know, as an athlete, you know, when you're in the boxing ring or you're in the octagon, uh, when you're out there, you want to give your blood, sweat, and tears. You want you want to keep fighting because you never know in this industry. I've seen people, you know, get hail marys at the last five seconds of a of a fight. I've seen people come back from a, a blitz, but um, a lot of times, uh, uh coaches and uh, cornermen are criticized because when a fighter is clearly getting outclassed, getting hurt to the point where they're bleeding, they they're exhausted, they're gassed out. You know that uh the fighter won't you know throw in the towel for themselves, but the corner's not throwing in the towel. Um, and it, it's something where one fighter came out particularly Anthony Smith. He's a he's a light heavyweight in the UFC, and he's also a commentator. And he has spoken about it. He fought um John Jones, and he was getting he was getting whooped. I mean, he had no offense at all. He was he was just bloody, battered, beaten. Uh, and like there was just no point of return for him, and he was talking about how his mentality when he goes to fight is, "I'm going to die in the octagon." But do you think that mentality is, is something that we need to change? That we need to actually start protecting, you know, fighters. We've seen you know boxers who's old, but you know they suffer so many mental illnesses because of all the punches that they've taken unnecessarily. Uh, a lot of uh, combat sports athletes who are suffering years and decades after fighting because they refuse to quit. Um, how do you think we should go about that? Do you think we just need to more, implement more of a let's protect the fighters even though we want to show? So is this a tap in and tap out answer or you actually want my thoughts? Yeah, 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 actual thought. So, I mean, I think it's stupid for a fighter to say, yeah, man, I'm going to, you know, I'm willing to die in the ring. Like, I, I think, honestly, like it sounds valiant and stuff and it sounds good to people who don't know any better, but in reality, you know, no one's life is worth the sport. If you get what I'm saying. Um, and when people, when officials or, you know, the fighters corner, they throw in a towel is because of safety reasons, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of times when the referee doesn't stop the fight or the corner doesn't stop the fight, we've seen fighters go into vegetative states or, suffer from pretty much long-term or lifelong, you know, consequences health-wise because of the negligence of the corner, the referee officials, or the fighter themselves. So me personally, I think it's very necessary um, that, you know, throwing the towel is a thing. You know, going out on your shield is not, is, you know what I'm saying, is, is, is not the smartest, you know, thing to do. Unless, like I said, you have nothing to lose. But a lot of these fighters, they have families. 
you know, that they that they take care of. So what's the purpose in dying in a ring, you know, for some sort of, you know, competitive pride? Right. I, I'll say I tap in. And the reason I say that is, you know, a lot of uh, commentators or uh, former UFC fighters or even current UFC fighters, they've come out in the middle of the broadcast. A lot of them have their own podcasts and platforms and they talk about that, that mindset of I'm, I'm a die in that cage. I, I you know, unless uh, I quit, uh, I, I don't want my, my corner thrown in the towel, but there's also an increasing amount of fighters, boxing and UFC who are coming out saying, Hey, you know, we got to start holding people accountable. So it, 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 for you, do you, who do you think you who who do you think should be held responsible? The cornermen, the people who are actually supposed to protect their own fighter, or do you think it's the organizations, the UFCs, the uh, Zufa, uh, Zufa, uh, Showtime, the the people that put on these events? Who do you think? Well, the people. Be- who, well, the people who put on the events, that's that's their job. It's just the people who that it's their job to put on the event. It's not really their job to to monitor or police what's actually happening in the ring. That boils down to, and it's a 50-50 thing, it's really on the corner. It's the discretion of the corner and the discretion of the referee who is actually in there, in the ring, watching these things, you know, happen. You know, just recently there was a fight between Tim Zhu of Australia and Tony Harrison of Detroit here in America, and um, the referee stopped the fight. Why? Because Tony Harrison was taking like four or five uppercuts, you know, sent to the face, and you see – his eyes rolling back. You got to stop the fight. There's no way you're going to see these things happen and then let the fight continue. To me, it's just, again, and it's not really blaming anyone. Like, how, how can you blame someone for, for looking out for someone's, you know, well-being and saving their life? So I'm not sure why, you know, people, this is really up for debate because when you're thinking about it, you're saving lives by, by you know, quitting while you're ahead. Because would you want to be in the ring? And you're taking, you know, 10, you know, 15 shots to the head and you're not even defending yourself anymore. And then the referee is just letting you g- keep getting hit over and over and over again when the fight is clearly, clearly, when you're clearly beat. Right. The fight doesn't have to go all four or five rounds, you know, for a fighter to get beat. So that's why knockouts are a thing. That's why TKOs are a thing, because sometimes, you know, a, a fight has really run its course. So, um, I think, again, it's really just if I'm working your corner and I see, yo, you're not following instructions you're 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 not making the adjustments that you need to make and then you're taking a lot of damage like like you you're just getting hit left and right and you're not defending yourself properly it is my job as your cornerman to to stop the fight you know what i'm saying and really the referee is supposed to do it before me you know that's like you come into the corner and i'm telling you all right percy you know i'm gonna need you to duck to your left and and then follow with a right hook and here and there and then you're not listening to my instructions and you're not coherent anymore, then I'm supposed to then communicate with the referee and say, this fight is over. It's done. You throw in the towel. That's how it works. No, I agree. And this is, this multi-layers and then, you know, just, just for the sake of it, you know, there's so many layers that go into it. And one of the reasons why I, when I talk about fighter pay and stuff like that, that's a big thing. Why? Because a lot of these fighters, you know, like I said, you, you, you will occasionally, especially the UFC, you'll see people come back from ass whoopings. And you know they'll get dominated like Leon Edwards and uh, uh, Usman uh, too that happened last year. Kamar Usman was the UFC welterweight champion, dominant, and Leon Edwards was was uh, he won the first round, but after that he was just getting demolished for three rounds straight. He had no answer, um, and then in the fifth round his his corner was yelling at him, "Yo, let's go! What are you doing? You, you you're losing. You know, get back out there." And you could clearly tell when the fighter mentally checks out. But they don't want to quit. You know, they don't want to be the guy who steps in the ring and say, you know, I tap out, I, I give up. You know, they don't want that label. But I think it needs to be normalized. And one of the reasons why a lot of fighters don't do that is because of the whole uh, win purse. You know, a lot of these fighters, you know, they're stepping in the cage unless they're Conor McGregor, John Jones, uh, Tyson Fury, or Deontay Wilder. They're not getting paid Floyd Mayweather. They're not getting paid huge amounts of money just to step in the ring. You know, a lot of these fighters are fighting to get that win bonus. So, yeah, they might get $12,000 to show up, but after gym fees and all that, you know, it's not much money. So they want that that win bonus. They want that performance in the night's bonus. They want that fight in the night bonus. And so they're going out there. <clears throat> they're not going to quit because they want that money. So I, for me, I say, you know, corners need to do a better job protecting their fighters, right? <clears throat> because oftentimes <clears throat> there are some referees, Steve Mazzagatti, um, who are known to let fighters take unnecessary punishment when it's clear 
they're knocked out, eyes glazed. Uh, they don't know where they are, and they still say, "Yo, let's go, let's go." I need to see some action. Like, bro, mm-hmm. you can clearly tell this man is out of it. He's not there. Um, but I do think we just need to normalize fighters uh, being protected uh, instead well, of here's the thing. But here, but here's the thing though, because when you're talking about in boxing, these things already happen. But then in UFC, whatever it is that you just described, really just sounds like again. And I think I, I kind of feel like we've talked about this before. These fighters are getting taken advantage of. Because a fighter shouldn't want to put their their life on the line to a further extent and 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 you know go into dangerous territory just because they feel oh well I won't get this amount of money if I don't get you know if I don't finish the fight if this fight doesn't go all five rounds that's not right so that that's really that really raises a greater issue or 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 how should I say or it puts a spotlight on the issue with mixed martial arts particularly the UFC right. And, you know, this leads to my next one. Um, you could tap in, tap out, and then just give your response to this. Uh, you know, boxing, we've talked about boxing. We've talked about UFC a couple of times on this podcast, right? And or increasingly, this past pay-per-view um, that the UFC held in London, and I'm, you know, hearing about uh, uh, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia and, you know, the whole talks with uh, um, Tyson Fury. And uh, that guy, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but we we we're, we're seeing a, an increase of more of a a spectacle, entertainment. You know, with Jake Paul, you know, all of these celebrity boxing matches, all of these uh, exhibition matches, we're seeing more increasing um, fights that are more for entertainment value than it is about the sport. Um, and recently, what happened this past pay per view, uh, Kamar Usman and Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is the current champion. Um, they just fought, and Kobe Covington, he came out. Uh, Dana White, who who runs the UFC, came out and said, "Hey, he's getting a title shot next. No ifs, ands, what's about it." And a lot of people are upset about it because although Kobe Covington is probably the biggest name in that division, uh, you know, there's people on current win streaks, uh, who aren't as popular, who aren't a draw. Uh, but Kobe Covington showed up on uh. Two days notice, cut twenty pounds, uh, eighteen pounds, excuse me, um, to be a backup for the main event in case somebody falls ill. Um, so let me let me actually just tap in or tap out, and then you can you can just give your response after. Do you think that combat sports is more about entertainment value than it is about the actual competitive value of it? Um, it depends on how you look at it. I, I can't really say one or the other because that's that really boils down to people's opinions. So some people might think, you know, I, I would say for casuals, it's more so for entertainment. But if you're a diehard boxing UFC, then it's about, um, you know, the competitive nature and spirit, you know, that goes into these fights. The same thing with the NBA, like, you know, to someone who's an NBA aficionado, basketball aficionado, they look at these basketball games and it's about the competitive spirit. For me, if I watch basketball, it's just because it's entertaining to watch. I don't know anything about the specifics. I can't really say, you know, whether or not I tap in or not, but I would say for me, as a matter of fact, I'll say that it's more so geared towards, because again, I'm a diehard boxing fan. So, you know, um, but it's more so for the competitive spirit, more so than entertainment. It's just both. To me, it's 50-50. I would say, I would tap it and I'll say this. I, I had this conversation with this guy at the park that I, I go work out at. And he asked me questions about acting in the entertainment industry. And we'll occasionally talk about fighting once in a while. But I say this. Everything is about profit nowadays. Everything is a business. Everything is about what's making money. And so many people, and the reason why I want to talk about it is, you know, Kobe is just a, a, a recent example People are saying, hey, man, there's, you know, this other people worthy of the opportunity, you know, why he gets to jump the line. And I say this is the same reason why Conor McGregor, for instance, who hasn't won a fight since he did win in 2020, uh, but he 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 beat up a washed up guy. No disrespect to Cowboy Cerrone, but he was he was out the door anyway. But Conor McGregor is a prime example of a guy who's a draw. And when people hear um, of Conor McGregor showing up, um, they're gonna they're gonna come and buy the pay per views. They're gonna come to see his fights, and he can command a two million dollar buy for a pay per view. But some people might say, "Hey, just because he makes a lot of money, don't mean he gets a title shot. He hasn't fought in two years." Yet 
here we are. He he's a guy who draws money. So I think for me, you know, whether it's entertainment acting, whether it's combat sports, I do think it's about the biggest of meta fights. And I mean, just look what's happening. You got uh Javante Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. You got uh you know Deontay Wallace sitting out right now. He's trying to find the next money fight. I'm hearing about the the negotiations with Tyson Fury, and I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. The other guy, uh, but Alexander Uzik. Yeah, but apparently, apparently the fight is off. Yeah, apparently it's off, and the reason why is Tyson Fury wants seventy percent of the money and only gives that guy thirty percent. And well, the I thing think- is, I heard that he that Uzik was actually going to take the deal. That's what I heard. I'm not sure how correct that is because I'm not you know the biggest Tyson Fury or Uzik fan, so I don't really keep up. With the specifics that they got going on, but he was he was gonna take the 70-30 split. And it was Tyson Fury that didn't follow through with his own, you know, deadline as far as when the fight was supposed to be signed and this and that. So yeah, and that and that's why I'm saying this about the money. Cause why if you for me, if you Chael Santa says this, if someone really wants to fight, they'll fight. You know, it, <clears throat> yeah. you, and if you really want to fight somebody, let's say if you know, I wanted to fight uh, Deontay Wilder, right? For instance, I'll I'll find a way to make that fight happen. I wouldn't be like, oh no, you know, it's not the right money. Oh, you know what? I it's not the right weight. Oh no, it's not the right date. Oh no, it's it, it's so many excuses going behind it, and so many fighters are doing that. They're turning down fights. They're saying they want to fight, and then they find out that oh, you know what? I want more money instead. So it, it, for me, I feel like it's more about the entertainment value, which is not a bad thing, but. I tell people this is a business and people look at, you know, Conor McGregor, Kobe Covington. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of examples in boxing of fighters who probably don't deserve some of these opportunities. But like I always say, it's a business and a business always wants the people who's going to bring the money. So, yes, mm-hmm. Conor McGregor may not be at the top of his division. He may not be pound for pound in his weight class. But while who for a business perspective, from a Dana White perspective, from a uh, you know, a boxing promoter's perspective. I can let's say you know there's a guy who's a a better fighter than Floyd Mayweather, right? But nobody knows who he is. He fight, you know, he he's not a household name. It's going to be hard to sell him. But you could get Floyd Mayweather, and you can guarantee at least you know a million people are going to just see the fight alone without any promotion. So from a from a promotional standpoint, yeah, it's like okay, there are people who are more deserving of opportunity, but you know, if we're looking for at the bottom line, if we're trying to recuperate, you know, business costs, I'm gonna just throw Conor McGregor on the pay per view because I already know I'm going to be guaranteed all this money. So um, that's why I said tap in, just because I know that at, in this day and age, it's all about the money. If that if that wasn't the case, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, all of these uh, YouTube boxes wouldn't be making more money, uh, having better shows than some of the actual talented boxes that actually live, mm-hmm. and it's because they have a bigger platform they make more you know they have a bigger audience and people know who they are yeah um right but but the thing is what separates what separates the really skilled talented fighters from the ones that are really popular is that casual audience so that's why i said it's really it's really 50 50 hi mom um yeah so that's the only reason why I said tap in, but I, I definitely no, did. I, no, because I was saying that what makes what makes Tank Tank versus Ryan Garcia so popular because they got casuals that are gonna watch that fight. You see what I'm saying? There's a really good boxing match um uh this Saturday, but people are not talking about David Benavidez versus Caleb Plant the way that they're talking about Tank Ryan Garcia. People are not even talking about Anthony Joshua fighting. So again, the reason why casuals don't care about. Com- competition at all they just care about entertainment they care about knockouts they don't care about you know a systematic 10 12 round chess match so that's what i mean right and then don't get me wrong i i want to take any anything away like i said there are amazing fighters um you know and really to stay at the top of of your game you know if floyd mayweather kept losing he wouldn't be a draw but you know even if he did lose he's such a big name he has such a star power that he can bounce back and he can still make money. Conor McGregor is on a, he's been losing and yeah, he still makes the UFC more money than anybody else. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely, I do think it is a competitive thing, but it's a business and it's all about entertainment. So, right. um, 
one other thing before we move on from combat sports is I want to talk about a couple other things, but we talked about this uh, yesterday. Caleb Plant, uh, for people who don't know, he's a boxer. Um, and the only reason why I'm bringing this up because he actually just came out a couple days ago and started talking about it because the video resurfaced and, and yada, yada, yada. But he was talking about how, and I've heard a lot of fighters talk about this, where, you know, he's the biggest name in his gym. And usually that's usually the case when you're talking about people, whether boxing or um, UFC, the bigger names in the gym are paying outrageous gym fees, plus, you know, coaching fees and whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. One of his gripes was they was looking at him like, hey, uh, we need you to help pay our rent. And then it became, okay, I'm already paying a thousand dollars, more than a couple thousand dollars gym fees alone. That don't include paying coaches and all that stuff. Plus, you want me to pay an extra five, ten grand to pay the pay the rent for the gym too? Um, and he became and he started talking about how it's not right that he's the only person in the gym paying all of this, uh, all these fees, paying the rent, whereas other fighters who are uh, you know, professionals on you know in the gym, um, but it's just because he's a bigger name. He they're they're trying to get him to pay all the money. Um, so let me ask you, tap in and tap out. Do you think um? Fighters, boxing, UFC, whatever the case may be, should be uh, paying uh, more than uh, gym fees. They should be paying all the coaches travel, paying uh, rent for the gym and all that stuff. Um, I would say, like, I don't know enough about how much, you know, boxers, you know, pay, you know, their people to kind of get around a lot of the logistics that goes into that. I mean, I would say... On one hand, I'm going to say tap in. But on the other hand, mom, I'm I'm doing a podcast with Pracy right now. I don't need to eat the bananas because I didn't buy those. Those are too big. I know they're yours, but I didn't buy them. Well, I don't even remember what I was saying. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, What the fuck? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not familiar with how much, like, the split, like, what what a fighter pays you know, his direct coach, his cut man, his strength conditioning, you know, to, to get them around. I don't know. So I don't know if let's say all of these people end up getting paid when the fighter actually gets their purse after the fight. So I don't know. I mean, it sounds expensive. So I, I, on one hand, I want to say tap out, but on the other hand, I want to say tap in because again, these are the people that are getting you through your training camp. So I, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm really kind of neither here nor there, you know, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I'll say this, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, uh, Miles Jury, he, he's a former fighter. I, I don't think he really fights anymore at this point. But he had a YouTube channel breaking down how much money he was getting paid for his fights versus how much expenses and all that stuff that, that came out of it. And one of the things that really stood out to me was uh, he was talking about how, you know, Fences, when he fought, you know, Cowboy Cerrone, he made 40000 right? But he paid a gym fee, uh, which was a couple thousand dollars. He also had to pay the gym's travel. So, you know, the corner men, they have to pay for the airfare. They have to pay for their hotels uh, if it's not provided by the organization, which I will give credit to the UFC. They do take care of fighters to a certain degree. But when it comes to when you have, like, let's say you need three, you need your, your coach and, and two other people who's going to help you during fight week, you got to pay for their airfare. You got to pay for their travel. Um you know, you got to pay for their food um, and you got to pay for their expenses. So he was talking about how, you know, from 40000 after taxes plus gym fees and all that stuff, he was looking at a profit of $10,000. And I mean, he got his own bills to pay that, you know, that that's probably what, two months, three months, depending on how his lifestyle is, two, three, four months of uh, living expenses um, that he's going to have to use for that ten grand. So a lot of fighters are paying egregious amounts and gym fees coaching fees plus travel um and i think that was his point was it so much that hey i don't mind helping you but the expectation that i'm going to be paying for everything just because i'm the biggest name in this gym it's not right and he he brought up a solution he said um you know if, if, if you're having trouble making rent what you could do is okay let's everybody put in a pot you know i'll put in a thousand right I, I'll, I'll i'll help you i am the biggest name i'll give you a thousand and then everybody else could chip in, you know, $100, $200. And we could collect the pool like that. You know, 
But why is it that because I'm the biggest name in the gym or I'm the most popular name in the gym, I'm relegated to pay everybody's fees. I'm relegated to pay the gym's rent. And well, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think that was actually what the the gym wanted Caleb to to pay. I, you know, because the rent that was actually the um their actual rent, their housing rent. So they're actually struggling to pay for real life bills, you know, IRL. So whatever it is that Caleb was helping them out with was, you know, the, like their actual, like you know, what I'm saying, like personal overhead. Um, I don't know like how much fighters are probably paying, you know, these gyms to work out there, but just because I'm a famous fighter doesn't mean I should be paying these astronomical uh, exorbitant fees. So I think really fighters pay standard fees, you know, saying to use the gym facilities. So I don't think whatever it is that was going on between Caleb and, you know, that guy, whoever it was, I don't think it really had, I think it had more so to do with like other things more so than the gym fees. Yeah, I I think well, I, I he like I said he he made a couple of tweets. I'm gonna move on from this. It's not a huge thing, but he did a he followed up because he was talking about people was like, yo, why why can't you just pay? And he said it's not about paying; it's about the principal. You know, if you're gonna kick me out the gym because I want to pay your rent, you know, why can't I take my posters with me? You know, why why y'all telling me oh you want to take your posters? You gotta pay. Um, it, I think it just became one of those things where. They expected him to pay every month the the gym fees, the rent, um, uh, and all that stuff, and it, it's just not a right thing to do, just because he's a big name. If 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 that's the case, if you're struggling, you know why not have all the fighters come together instead of just putting a burden on one fighter? You don't know what his personal life is. You don't know mm-hmm. if he pays child support. You don't know if he has spouse support. You don't know what what his family life is, and you're putting a burden on your 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 rent on him just because. He's Caleb Plant, but I digress anyway. Let, let's move on. I, I know a lot of people aren't huge combat sports, but I got a lot of topics that go around for everybody. So I want to ask you about this. Um, TikTok is uh, under fire right now. Uh, the U.S. is considering banning TikTok, mostly because of privacy reasons and the fact that a lot of children are on this platform, um, you know, and, and it's sad to see, I see it all the time. You know, I see a lot of children using TikTok. My little sister use it and she's, you know, a lot of her and her friends use it and they under the age of 10. I worked at a sports camp. Most of the kids were on TikTok instead of actually participating in camp. Um, and there's a concern with children on social media. Um, and a lot of influencers, a lot of content creators on these platforms are saying, no, no don't ban it. You know, we, we make our living, we make a livelihood off of it. But uh, they're actually going to trial with the Congress, I think, tomorrow or so, uh, uh, sometime soon um, mm-hmm. to speak their piece. So l- let me ask you, tap in or tap out, do you think TikTok should be banned in the U.S. and why? Tap out. Um, I mean, why? why do they want to ban it again? I thought I thought they wanted to ban TikTok because TikTok comes from China. So I guess yeah, that is that's part of the reason too. Yeah. Right. I mean, if it's if it's some sort of, you know, like concern, you know, some sort of like uh I don't know, like if, if TikTok poses some sort of like national risk to the United States, then sure ban it. But as far as I can see, you know, TikTok is harmless. I mean, obviously, you know, when you when you boil it down to like how often kids you know, use it and they're glued to their phones because of TikTok, then I mean, yeah, but that's that's a personal problem. That has nothing to do. That's not the app. That's really on, you know, like parents and all of that. So I don't I don't think they should ban TikTok, in my opinion. I, I'll be the first to admit, you know, you know Natalie, my girl, she she loves TikTok. She's on it all the time. I'm me personally, I don't really care for TikTok, but I also say, look, you know, people do make a living off of it. Um there are great children who create content on there for other children and make money. Right. Um, so I'll tap out too. I don't think they should ban it. I, I do think that they're, they're, regardless, every social media platform, and I'm going to move on because there's another social media thing I want to talk about, but I do think banning it is not the right thing unless they're doing some slick stuff, selling people's privacy to China. Then, then no, that's, that's something else, but I don't think they should ban it. Look, this children are going to use these platforms, but, it's not TikTok's fault if you know things are being done. It's the parents. The parents got to be on on top of this stuff. You know, like I said, I didn't know kids were under the age of ten had TikToks and was making content. You know, obviously, you know, there's big name kid stars on there. This is my only concern is the kids. You know, but I've seen 
videos of uh you know kids doing sexually charged dance moves you know that they saw cardi b do for tiktok and i'm like you know what is this you know but that's the only gripe i would have is not with tiktok it's more the parents that allow allowing children to go on these platforms and do whatever they want for the sake of making money eh, that's right. not a tiktok fault but uh we're going to take a short break and i want to ask you another topic about social media we'll be right back So as we continue tapping and tap out, I want I want to continue with social media because everybody uses social media, whether you know our generation, the young generation, even older people are using it. So another thing that's been coming up, Mark Zuckerberg came out, and Twitter started this. Elon Musk started doing the whole uh, paying for verification type of thing. So now Instagram and uh, Facebook Meta are going to be following Twitter by offering pay subscription verification for. $12 or uh, $14, I think they're still flirting between the idea of paying uh, which amount, but it's between $12 and $14 a month uh, for pay verification. Now, a lot of people don't like it because one, if you're already verified, that means you're going to have to pay to keep it. Or if you know, if you refuse to pay, you're going to lose your verification. And a lot of people also say, hey, you know, there's a lot of burner accounts paying for verification just to harass On Twitter? People. Oh yeah, Twitter. Twitter has already uh, paid verification. It's called Twitter Blue, um, and uh, Meta is following the same suit, which is Facebook and Instagram. Mark Zuckerberg mm. wants to do the exact same thing, paying for verification. And a lot of people say, you know, it's not. I don't think. It, I think it's stupid to charge people to be verified because that, that means anybody could just pay. If anybody could cough up twelve, fourteen bucks a month. You know, they could just get a verification page and start trolling people. And a lot of people do do that. I, I've seen it on Twitter, people with, you know, five followers and they're following 8,000 people, but they're verified and, you know, they, they're trolling celebrities, they're trolling regular people um, and stuff like that. But nonetheless, what do you think about uh, pay subscription verification? Tap in the tap out. Do you think uh, a lot of these platforms should just be charging people to be verified? I say tap out. Um, well, as a matter of fact, no. So you said tap in if I think they should charge people and tap out if I think they shouldn't. Yes. I mean, hey, it's their business. So if they want to charge people for that, then then sure. But I mean, if people are stupid enough to pay, you know, twelve, fourteen dollars just for that, because the way it works on on Twitter is you don't have to pay for verification if you're a legit public figure or if you're you know you're you're somebody you know, worth note where you're going to, you're going to deal with, you know, a lot of fake accounts. You don't have to pay for that. So when you click on somebody's, you know, verification badge, it'll tell you what type of verification it is. So if you're a public figure, it'll say that if you paid for it, it'll say that. So I'm not sure what the whole big deal is about, you know, being verified, I guess, like maybe if you're, you know, an artist or something like that, I guess it'll make your, your social media page look more official. I mean, to me personally, I place you know, no sort of, you know, value on, on those things, you know, I guess maybe to, you know, some other people, um, you know, they care about those things, but me personally, I don't. You know, I, I, at first I was going to say tap in, but I'm going to tap out. And the only reason why I say that is I would agree with you if that was the, I, so it depends on how they do it, but I know with Twitter, Mark, uh, Elon Musk, I think everybody uh, have to pay. And I think if you're a really big household name like Dwayne Rock Johnson or your your corporate brand that probably does partnerships, I'm sure they waive that fee for them. But I think one of the biggest problems is now you're taking away that very that very uh special thing that many people attain to have, you know, verification. Now, right now, no not everybody can just hop on and, and get verified. You gotta have, you know, some type of following a real yeah. following. You have to have a name that people, you know, you have an article about yourself. It's a very hard process to get verified. But now if anybody could just pay for verification, that means that now, you know, someone with 5,000 followers could have a check mark next to their name. And a lot of people do place a big emphasis on that check mark, but now you're going to water it down to the point that it has no meaning really. So yeah, it might, I mean, besides, the, like I said, the big name celebrities, you know, who everybody knows about, but now, you know, someone on Instagram who really don't, who buys their followers, right? You know, they have 100,000 followers, you know, they can pay for verification, makes them look official. 
And now, you know, they get sponsorships and brand deals from people that if they didn't have that verification, probably wouldn't have gotten. But now if everybody has one, then everybody can say, hey, I'm a content creator. I'm verified. You know, and it kind of waters down the product a little bit. But like you said, it's one to say, hey, everything's about money now. It's, it's, their, it's their social media. Me personally, I wouldn't pay for it. I would just wait until they say, hey, you, you qualify. We'll, we'll give you that check mark. But uh, I, I, me personally, I just want to pay for it. But for a lot of people, they attain for that check mark. And to have that blue check mark next to the name means a whole world to them. So well, they're stupid. It's, it, I mean, it's I was, stupid. I mean, when you look at Instagram, when, you know, me and you are different, but for a lot of people who are aspiring to be an actor, a rap, or whatever the case may be, when they see somebody with a check mark, they think, oh, that this person's official. They must have done something big. They Man, must have that some does, type of clout. That doesn't you know? mean that doesn't mean nothing. What means something is if someone has a following. It's not verification. Ver- verification is literally just that. It's just verifying someone's identity, but that doesn't that's not indicative of, you know, someone's actual following. So if you if you're verified but you got like 5,000 followers, you know, saying that doesn't mean anything. But if you could be unverified and have a million, so it doesn't matter. You know, as a matter of fact, I know a guy who's a YouTuber and he's not is he verified? I don't know, but it doesn't matter cuz he's got a following. So you you feel what I'm saying? So yeah. people people can look at his and see no verification, but he's got, you know, 30,000 active, you know, in active engagement. But then you can have somebody with, you know, 5,000 with a badge and ain't got no engagement whatsoever. So it really depends on if people are engaging you or not. That's what people want to see. Does this person have have followers that actually engage with whatever it is that he does on social media or otherwise? I agree. I'll say this, and I move on. I got one more topic that's very controversial, but I'll say this, you know, I, I've noticed once in a while I'll go through Instagram and, you know, and, and see what's happening. This, this one content creator, I'm not going to name no names, but I, I look at her profile and she's verified. And I think she has like 250,000 people. Well, I'm like, wait for, I don't know who this person is, but, um, well, I know who she is, but I don't know what she's done of note that makes her verified. But nonetheless, I go through her, her, and get, you know, likes and stuff. And I'm like, wait. You have 250,000 followers and you only get 20 likes and one comment, you know, something don't smell right here. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. A lot of social media has made it to where a lot of people want a lot, a lot of followers and the verification because it makes them look legit in the eyes of advertisers and the eyes of, you know, people. So if you're trying to build a social media following for a lot of people, you get that blue check mark all of a sudden when people... <clears throat> Look at your content, whether it's YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. When people look at your content and they see when they go on your profile, he's verified. You know, this before the whole paid thing happened. But when people see that check mark, it's like, oh, okay, this person's legit. I got to check them out, you know. And I think now with the paying for verifications, you know, buying all of these subscribers and whatever the case may be. Again, it's noticeable. I, I have a buddy who works in, in marketing for social media. And we talk about this all the time where it's like, you know, P, he'll have clients come in and they'll say, hey, we, I need your help helping us uh, get sponsors. He looks at the thing. Okay, they verify they look legit. But then when they look at the numbers, it's like, this don't add up. You got all these followers, but you, I get more followers than you, and I got a fraction of what you have. So, it, nonetheless, um, I, I do want to talk about one more thing. Very controversial. I saved this for last because we won't talk about it too long, but it's something that um, we've, uh, we briefly discussed. Now, when I first started this podcast, I used to talk about a lot of different issues. Black Lives Matter, LGBT, you know, politics, and... One of the reasons why I don't talk about a lot of those issues, besides the occasional, uh, you know, things that happen regarding race in this country, is because it's very divisive, and I don't want people. Oh, we got to cancel him, right? But this one stood out to me. So, this past weekend, um, San Jose Sharks, which is an NHL uh, uh, hockey team, their goalie James Reamer. Um, you know, as we all know, it's Pride Month. Uh, a lot of companies, a lot of. Uh, People are taking a part of pride and, you know, showing their appreciation and support. And they had a warm-up game. Uh, so they had a game on Saturday. Um, and part of their warm-up was they wanted to wear pride jerseys. Um, and then they had, like, a pride decorated shark. Um, and everybody wore it. 
and he came out with an official statement and he said, Hey, look, you know, I, I support everybody's right to live, everybody's uh lifestyle, you know, whether whatever they identify, but based off my religious beliefs, I just don't want to wear the jersey and I won't pay, take part of uh the um festivities. I don't want to be a part of it, but I, I'm not condemning anybody, it's just not something I want to support, right? And you know, many people uh from the NHL commissioner to uh, other people in NHL, even now where I'm seeing a lot of celebrities and, and uh, so forth come out and, and call him a bigot, a homophobe, a transphobe and all that stuff because he refused to to wear the jersey. Um, but this this discussion is not about whether he should have wore the jersey or not. But this is a whole standing thing that's been happening in the NBA, uh, NFL, um, a lot of sports, a lot of professional leagues are putting politics in the, in the sport. A lot of players are using politics, uh, you know, in the game. Tap in or tap out. Do you think politics need to be in sports? What kind of politics? Oh, just, you know, po political, I, um, political. Like real movies. politics? Yeah, real politics, yeah. Or sports politics? Uh, real politics, like, you know, for him, it's like, hey, you know, I don't want to wear a uh, a pride jersey, uh, and that's my belief. But um, people, no, you know, I don't. Like I don't. I don't think sport. Uh, I don't think politics should be involved in sports. It's sports. I mean, I think people, you know, politicians they leverage how popular sports are and try to use it to their advantage. But I don't think, um, you know, it's fair to try to hold, you know, someone else to your, uh, political, you know, uh, uh, uh what what is it? Political slants or beliefs or choices and stuff like that. So just because. You know, um, I believe something doesn't mean that I should hold an athlete who has nothing to do with my with my, with my uh, political standings and stuff like that to 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 that. If you get what I'm saying, I agree, and I I say tap out. I don't think politics need to be in it, and I just used him because he's a prime example. But you know, one of the things that stood out to me, someone said, "Hey, you know how 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 are people preaching inclusion?" And, and stuff like that and acceptance, but won't accept somebody's belief. It's not like he's calling anybody a slur. He's not, you know, calling anybody out. He's just saying, hey, I don't want to be a part of it. You know, I, I support everybody. I just don't want to partake in it. And for me personally, I say this, whether, you know, it's LGBTQ, whether it's uh, Black Lives Matter, whatever the case may be, I don't think politics should be in sports now. I will say if it's impacting the players, meaning, you know, there are you know, professional athletes who might suffer racism in the locker room. Uh, they might suffer racism in, in the league. That's a different thing. Or someone's getting called out and harassed by the sexuality. That's different. But these whole agendas of pushing a narrative, I, I don't think this should be in sports. And I think one of the reasons why it is is because a lot of players are starting to adapt it. Um, some people might say it's virtue signaling. Some people say it's just hopping on a trend. I'm not here to debate that. I'm just saying for me, when I watch a sport, and a lot of people agree, when when you watch a sport, whether it's boxing, you don't want to hear about someone talking about, oh, F Trump or go Joe Biden's or, you know, I, I hate Republicans, I hate Democrats. Nobody wants to watch that. They want to sit down, drink a beer or, you know, eat, eat a cheeseburger with the family, whatever the case may be, and watch a sport. They don't want to hear nobody shoving down their ideas down their throat. Now, like I said, I do believe that if a player off the ice wants to, ship in and whatever the case be on political agendas and beliefs that that's their prerogative. But when I watch a, a UFC event, I want to hear, you know, Joe Rogan or somebody talking about, Hey, you know, for 2024, I'm voting for, you know, this president because this president sucks. And I hate, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to see that type of thing happening. So, um, but nonetheless, I, my only point of bringing that up and I'm, I won't, keep talking about it because I know it's very divisive. A lot of people are going to have opinions on it. But I think people need to be a little more respectful of other people's choices. And that's one of the problems with our society. Everybody's, you know, calling everybody a racist, a homophobe, or whatever the case may be. I don't think you need to wear a Black Lives Matter jersey to prove that you you support Black Lives, or whatever the case may be. But um, actually, I, I want to, one quick thing. I do want to ask you about that. Because some people say, hey, you know, what's wrong with just wearing a jersey, you know, to support people if you actually support a group? So whether it's LGBT or, you know, minorities or whatever the case may be, do you think that you have to wear 
uh, merch or you have to wear clothing to support someone? No, I mean, uh, just just this particular um, situation. No, why? It's like, why do I have to wear something just to prove to you that I support it? I I determine what I choose to wear or what I choose not to wear. I feel like that's when it becomes because you shouldn't ever have to try to box somebody in a corner or put their back against the wall to get them to support you. You should you should you should pose the option for them to wear it, but don't try to criticize them when they don't wear it. I mean, it's again, everybody's entitled to do whatever it is that they want to do or don't want to do. So then that also makes you question that particular movement. If I got to force you to wear a Jersey to show that you support it, then what does that say about the movement? Right. I should have, if it's a righteous movement, I shouldn't have to force anybody to do anything, nor does, you know, the efficiency of whatever it is that I'm trying to accomplish is it contingent on that person wearing that jersey or not? So, I, me personally, I, I think it's wrong. I agree. I'll say this. Actions speak a lot of the words, and it's a cliche term, but it does. You know, I judge a person based off what they do, not what they say. Anybody could say, hey, you know, I support black lives, but if you, when, when, when time comes and you need to stand on the front line, whatever the case may be, you, you're chilling, you know where to be found, but you're wearing a shirt. I mean, how many people during the height of, you know, George Floyd movement, was out there wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts and yet they was just out there for the camera. They was filming content for the Instagram page and then they would they would just dip out. You know, I, I, me personally, first of all, I, I don't like how people are quick to call anybody names. I don't, you have to prove to me or show, I have to see something to call you racist or whatever the case may be. But to say that someone has to wear something to support you, no. I don't think so because somebody could just wear that shirt just because they virtue signaling, just because they want to stand with the stand with the the hype and they want to join the the clause. And so many people actually hop on these trends, you know, to try to make a quick buck. You know, they want to cash in and then they're gonna leave. A lot of people don't care. They just use these. They wear these shirts. They they, they wear the merchandise because they wanna they wanna you know, grow their fan base. They want people to buy their merchandise. They want people to go to the Instagram page and subscribe or whatever the case may be. So I say, you know, let people live, let people make their own choices and not everybody, you don't have to wear a shirt to support somebody. If I know that if you see a, a black person getting beat up, if you, I know that if you're going to help me, I'd rather you do that than just wear a shirt. And then when it's, when it's time to, to help you turn a blind eye. So, uh, no, that, that's it. I, like I said, I don't want to get too much into it because I know everybody got different opinions, whatever the case may be. But you know, thank you, Dimitri, for coming on. No uh, doubt. Thank you know, thank you, Daniel Cormier, uh, uh, RCDC podcast for tap and tap out. I'm glad that I was able to use that uh, for this podcast. I'm gonna come up with my own name of it, but um, I had a great time. Thank you for coming on, Dimitri. And like I always say, a helping hand is a better hand.